0: Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Last week, we finished that long day of Jesus' confrontations with the Jews after the Feast of Booths. Remember, that runs all the way from the beginning of chapter 8 to verse 21 in chapter 10. And at that time, what we saw last week, was that the Lord Jesus Christ calls himself the door of the sheepfold. And he calls himself the good shepherd. The good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. That's the substitutionary atonement. The good shepherd who says, no one takes my life from me. He's no martyr. He's no victim. Because he says, I have authority to lay my life down and I have authority to take it again. And he will take it again. Now I've been requested to go over the portion about the sheepfold and the door of the sheepfold again tonight. So we're going to do that in the beginning. And then we're going to pick up in verse 22. But you'll notice up here where Jesus describes himself as the door of the sheep. And we talked about how the sheepfolds in first century Palestine, there were two kinds of sheepfold. One was like a community sheepfold, which had high walls. It had uh, literally a door in it, or doors, that a hired doorkeeper, hired by the shepherds, would stand guard at the door of the sheepfold. And there'd be many flocks in there, or at least several flocks in there and whenever the shepherd came to call his sheep out then the doorkeeper recognized that he was a legitimate owner of some of the sheep in that fold and he would open the door to him and then the shepherd would go in he called his own sheep by name and his own sheep would follow him out there was also another kind of fold and we joke about it we call it the field expedient fold and that was out in the far out in the wilderness out in the field when the, the shepherd would have his flock and he would be far away from that community sheepfold which was near a town or a village. So he would build his own sheepfold. A lot of times out of thorn brush or out of other brush. But it was just enough to keep the sheep together so the stupid sheep would not go wandering off at night to get a snack and be devoured by the wolves or the lions. So he would keep his sheep together but it didn't have a door. All it had was an opening at one end that was just big enough for the shepherd to lie down in that opening. And the shepherd became the door. So when the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am the door of the sheep, that's the sheepfold he's referring to. And everybody understood what he was talking about. In other words, anyone wants to try to come and harm my sheep, they got to crawl over me. And if any of my sheep decides that they want to go straying, and we'll deal with that a little bit later this evening, if any of my sheep decide that I'm tired of taking all these orders and taking these directions and trusting him, I'm going to go out there and see if I can find a snack. Now they're going to have to crawl over me too. So he literally... Laid down his life in the doorway as the shepherd who is putting his own life there as a door to protect his sheep. So hopefully that explains about the two kinds of sheepfolds and what the Lord Jesus is talking about here. Now look down at verse 22. What's happening here is we're back in Jerusalem. We're back in Jerusalem at the Feast of Dedication. Feast of Dedication is called, by uh, most people today, Hanukkah. It takes place toward the end of December. If you want to know more about the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, I'm going to say look it up because I don't want to spend too much time on that tonight or any time really on that tonight the main thing about it is it's one of the feasts of the Jews and Jesus has come back to Jerusalem back to the temple to observe this feast along with the rest of the Jewish people and notice it says it is winter so it's about two, two and a half months after the feast of booths after them the Jews attempting to stone him the first time After the Lord Jesus has given sight to the man born blind. After the Lord Jesus has, after he's given sight to the man born blind, confronted the Jews, and remember who the Jews are. The Jews aren't all the Jewish people. John uses the term Jews here, more of a technical use of the word Jews. It describes basically the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Herodians. That is the religious leaders or the Big shots among the Jews. These are the ones that are Jesus' primary enemies. The the people, they haven't made up their mind yet. The people are still really impressed with him. They haven't turned against him yet. Remember, it's going to be the people who, within just a few months, are going to give him the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But he's returned to Jerusalem about two, two and a half months after the Feast of Booze. And let's begin reading in verse 22. At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us openly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, ever. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the father. For which of these do you stone me? The Jews answered him. For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him, whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world? You are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works. So that you may know and continue knowing that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Therefore they were seeking again to seize him. And he eluded their grasp. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing and he was staying there. And many came to him and were saying, while John did no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. I normally don't have points to a sermon. And I know my preaching professors have a fit if they knew that. It seems like most passages in the Bible have one point. But tonight we have two points. And one emphasis is, we're going to answer the question, why didn't the Jews recognize the Lord Jesus for who he is? And then the second point we're going to have is Jesus gives us another clear promise. So let's get with it. Like we saw... Jesus is back in Jerusalem with his disciples. It's the feast of dedication. He's walking through Solomon's porch, through Solomon's colonnade there. And then in verse 24, we see the beginning of why don't the Jews recognize him? It says the Jews then gathered around him. The idea there is they surrounded him. He's walking. And now they all come up and they surround him like a pack of dogs. In other words, you're not going any further. You're going to have to answer our questions at this point. And it says, The Jews gathered around him and were saying to him, "We're saying? In other words, they were saying it over and over and over. They continued to say to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ... Tell us openly, it reminds me of one of those old B-grade westerns from the 1950s, Hopalong Cassidy, Roy Rogers, that kind of thing. And there's some big trouble in the town and all the people come to the sheriff and all the, all the good citizens of the town keep pestering the sheriff. And they keep accusing him and they, say, they keep asking, when are you going to do something about this? When are you going to do something about this? That, that's what's going on here you got several of these Jews in this crowd who just keep pestering him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us openly. And I'm thinking, suspense? Tell you openly? Look at verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe. Where have you people been all this time? I told you. Now I'm going to give you some references here, but obviously it would mean nothing to them because they weren't following along in the Gospel of John during this conversation. But Jesus has told them, John five eighteen. Jesus says, God is my Father, my biological Father. I am the Son of God. I'm not just a Son of God. I am the Son of God. You want to know whether I'm the Messiah or not? I've already told you. John 5.21. Jesus said, I give life to whom I will. John 5.25. Jesus says, I will raise the dead. I have life in myself just like the Father has life in himself. You can't read and understand what I'm saying? Uh, John 5.39 You study the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And it is they that testify of me. You want me to tell you plainly whether or not I'm the Messiah. John chapter 6 verses 38 through 40. I have not come down from heaven to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I have not come down from heaven to do my own will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me. That of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. But raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of my father who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. You want me to make it plain? John 8, 54. My Father is the one whom you say he is our God. (laughs) You want to know whether or not I'm the Messiah. My Father is the one whom you say he is our God. John eight fifty eight before Abraham was, ego I me, I, I myself, am. And you wanted to kill me for that one. You want to know whether or not I'm the Messiah? You want me to, to no longer keep you in suspense? As R.C. Sproul said, what's the matter with you people? <laughs> I've already told you, I am the bread of life. I've already told you I am the light of the world. I've already told you I am the door of the sheepfold. I've already told you I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And then, just back in chapter 10, verse 18. I have authority to lay my life down. I have authority to take it up again. You want to know? Whether or not I'm the Messiah. You want me to tell you plainly. How can you be in suspense? Okay, you don't, you, you don't believe what I say. Then notice what he said there. The works that I do in my father's name. These bear witness of me. I healed a royal official son with a word. Long distance. I wasn't even there. I healed a crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. and You wanted to kill me because of that. And I healed him with a word. I fed 15,000 hungry people. Plus, 15,000 plus. With five loaves and two little fish. I have given sight to a man born blind just two months ago. And that infuriated you because I did it on the Sabbath. I gave him sight. He had never seen in his life. He even testified. It has never been known since the world began. That a man opened the eyes of one born blind. And I did that. I did it with my spit. And you want to know whether or not I'm the Messiah. Suspense tell you plainly? Can't you hear? Can't you see? And the answer is you've got it Ashley. No. No you can't. Look at verse 26. But you do not believe all of that because you are not of my sheep. Back in chapter 8 verse 43 the Lord Jesus Christ told the, the Jews You can't hear my word. Now tie that into what he's been telling them earlier in chapter 10. Remember he said that the sheep that are not of his fold don't recognize his voice. Verses 3 and 4. You don't recognize my voice because you're not of my flock. Back in chapter 5, verse 40, Jesus said to these Jews, you're not willing to come to me. And back in chapter 10, verse 5, he says that the sheep who are not of my flock are not willing to follow after me because I'm a stranger to them and they won't follow a stranger. you can't believe because you're not part of my flock you're not mine but I'll tell you who you are I'll tell you which flock you are are part of you're of your father the devil's flock I've already told you that earlier you're Satan's sheep you listen to his voice as he lies about me and says he has a demon you follow him As he's plotting to kill me. And so you're plotting to kill me. You're so filled with his hate. You're so filled with his lies. You don't hear me when I speak plainly. You can't even see the proof when it's right before your eyes. These miracles of mercy healings that I'm doing. Just like Isaiah prophesied. I would do. And we'll get to that next week. I'm working miracles in my father's name and in my father's power. And yet, you're so full of hate and you're so full of lies you can't even see it when it's right in front of your face. Your father, the devil, has killed your spirit. He's stolen your perception and he's destroyed you. And you love to have it so. However, Look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, present tense, and they keep on hearing my voice, and I know them. Now, at this point, we would expect him to say, and they know me. But no, he says, I know them. It's much better to have Jesus know you than you just know about Jesus. <laughs> Oh, man. He knows you by name. I call out his sheep by name. He set his love on you. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 8 says, He chose you. And he did that, Ephesians 1, 4, before the foundation of the world. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. I know my sheep. And I've known them before I ever created them. And they follow me because I know them. Because I call them by name they follow me. Because I love them they follow me because they recognize my voice because they're born again of the spirit that's why they recognize my voice Mm. and now we come to the second point here's where the Lord Jesus Christ gives us another clear promise look at verse 28 and I give eternal life to them And they will never perish, ever. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Lord Jesus Christ says, I give them eternal life. Hmm. They shall never perish, ever. Uh, Somehow, the LSB translators had to... Figure out how to translate this. This is a double negative. And in English you're not allowed to use double negatives. What Jesus says is they will not never perish. But that's bad English. And so they have to say. And they will never perish. Ever. Hmm. Now I want you to notice something here. Jesus says I give them. Eternal life. Not conditional life. I give them eternal life not life on probation Mm. not if they hold out long enough then they'll get to heaven no, I give them eternal life and notice that he gives it to us it's a gift (laughs) it's all of grace Mm. it's not what we earn it's what he gives now Romans 6.23 tells us all about gifts and, and wages what we earn is death the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gives us eternal life. Uh, You hear an echo here of John 5.21 where the Lord Jesus has said, Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. You see what's going on here? Now he's still talking to the Jews. He's still talking to the Pharisees. And this is where he's starting to blow their minds. Because who alone can give life? Who alone can raise the dead? Only God. Only God can do that. And here's Jesus in their face when they're surrounding him. Saying, I give eternal life to them. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Snatch them. Violent, sudden, destructive. The same word he used back earlier in chapter 10 about the wolf who comes to attack the fold and he wants to snatch the sheep and devour them. He says, no wolf will be able to snatch them out of my hand. No predator who wants to prey on my sheep will be able to snatch them out of my hand. It gets even better. My Father, who gave them to me. Now, that's how we became sheep. And we dealt with that last week, didn't we? Yeah, and, you, know, you know, the Father gave us to His Son because we're such exemplary examples of godliness, right? <laughs> now, we know what we are. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead in trespasses and sins when the Father gave us to His Son. I'm going to answer the question why the father gave us to his son in just a minute and hopefully you're going to have a better understanding of that but he says my father who has given them to me and again that's why his sheep are his sheep is because the father gave those sheep to him all that the father gives me will come to me and he that comes to me I will by by no means cast out The question is, why would the father give particular sheep to his son? Why the father chose who he chose to give to his son is still a mystery. There's really no clear answer, no explicit answer in the scriptures. Especially considering what unlikely candidates we are to be Christ's sheep. But I think we can at least recognize that it's so that God gets all the credit for saving us. He gets all the credit for saving. It's not because we smartened up and decided to ask Jesus in our hearts. It's not because we were spiritually superior. It's not because all of a sudden we decided we're going to do Jesus a favor and we're going to get on his team. No. He chose us. He gave such as us to his son. I mean, I don't think you would want to get a present like us. It'd be kind of like a booby prize, you know. But the Father chose who He chose to give to His Son so that He gets all the glory for our salvation. That when men look at us and say, I know what you were, and I can't figure out why you are what you are. I know it used to come out of your mouth at work, just like water. I mean, you couldn't speak a sentence without that stuff. And now you said a word the other day, and your head dropped, and you stopped what you were doing, and you said, Lord, forgive me for that. What changed you? And anybody that knows any of us knows it wasn't us that changed. God gets all the glory for what he's done. And he says, My Father is greater than all. And <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now, you've got the Lord Jesus Christ holding us in his hand. This is the hand that created everything in heaven and earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, this is that hand that's holding us. And you say, Man, that's utter security. Oh, but it, it gets better. And then you've got the Father's hand holding his hand, holding you in there. I mean, that's utter glory. Now, I'm going to jump ahead and I'll I'll ruin this. But I'll repeat it here in just a minute. When Jesus says. No one. Can snatch them out of my hand. And when he says no one. Can snatch them out of the father's hand. You do realize that includes you. Yes. Even our own hideously powerful flesh. Is not strong enough. To snatch us. Out of the Lord's hands and out of his Father's hands. So, with this this glorious guarantee, this glorious promise of eternal life, that means that his sheep can ignore him and flagrantly rebel and sin and go their own way and go astray and they're still going to go to heaven and they're still going to enjoy eternal life. Right? I mean, once saved, always saved. Right? No. Look back at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Continuous action. They follow me and they keep following me. Sheep that don't hear the Lord Jesus' voice. Sheep that don't hear his spirit's voice. When they sin. Not a sheep. It's as simple as that. They just... They're not his sheep. So, no. His sheep can't ignore him, flagrantly sin against him, flagrantly disobey him, and just go their own way and still enjoy eternal life. Because anyone who does that is not one of his sheep. So, no. And, yes. His sheep Can sin against him. His sheep can get stiff-necked. His sheep can get rebellious. His sheep can flagrantly sin in his face. If we remember... That he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And if he lays down his life. If he's willing to die for his sheep. If they're that precious to him. If this present that he is going to offer to his father on the last day. Lord, father, look at all this multitude of my flock. You gave them to me. And I bought them. And here they are. They're yours. He's not going to lose one got too much invested he has suffered hell for each one of his sheep and so when one of his sheep proves just how stupid we are and how foolish we are and goes straying off and decides I'm not going to listen to you anymore I'm going to do my own way once saved always saved then he goes after them you remember Matthew 18 about the shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them pulls a real boneheaded episode and decides to go uh, diving deep in sin. And it says he leaves the ninety nine who are doing well. He leaves the ninety nine that are doing well. He goes after that one. And he finds the one that's gone astray. And he grabs him. And he puts him on his shoulders and he brings him back. Hebrews 12 tells us, my son. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son who receives. None of us who have fathers escaped chastening when we went bonehead. How much more will he who loves us and gave himself for us go after us and chasten us and he will bring us home he will bring us back and his spirit will cause us to repent from the heart and we will come back so yes you want to do something stupid you want to be foolish you want to dive into sin go right ahead he's coming after you and he's bringing a club or he's bringing a whip or he's bringing whatever it takes to change your mind and bring you home So, enough of that. Like I said, not even our own hideously strong flesh can snatch us out of his hand. Or can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Our flesh is no match for the grip of he who loved us and gave himself for us or for his Father. Then verse 30, this is what we've been waiting for. I and the Father are one. And once again, Jesus pokes the Jews in the eye with another outrageous truth about himself. You remember back in chapter 8 when he's talking about Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced and was glad in it? And they said, who do you make yourself out to be? And then he came back with, before Abraham was, Ega, I, me. I, I myself. Am. And they immediately knew who he was talking about. They immediately recognized this is uh, excuse me, Exodus chapter 3. They immediately went to the burning bush. And so they picked up stones to stone him. Who do you make yourself out to be? Yahweh. That answers the question. He poked his finger in their eye that time. And now he pokes his finger in their eye again. I and the Father are one 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 essence one substance you know we don't have English we don't have human words uh, start reading some of the the most readable excellent writers on the trinity and you see them stumbling all over themselves you, know, you end up having to invent words like trinity because we just don't have anything. How do you describe the fact that God has three persons, but yet they all have the same what? Uh, essence. Boy, that makes a lot of sense to us, doesn't it? Essence smells. Sound like a smell, you know? They all have the same substance. Okay, so let's go to the Greeks because the Greeks are so good at this. They, they all share the same Usias. <laughs> no. No. I and the Father are one. We have the same substance. We are a single, indivisible being. This is an echo of Deuteronomy 6 4. Hero Israel, Yahweh our God. Yahweh is one. They understood that. Jesus is now saying in their face while they're surrounding him I and the father whom you call your God are one and they pick up stones to stone him because remember these are monotheists if they don't know anything they know that God is one and there's only one God and that God is Yahweh and Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one. And they don't have any category for a trinity. They don't even have any category for duality, if I can use that word. The only, th- only way they can think is, he's saying that he is the Father. Now, he's not saying that. But that's all they can hear. You're saying you're Yahweh. Well, yeah, that's true. so they pick up stones to stone him now notice this time Jesus doesn't walk out of the temple like he did in John chapter 8 this time he stands there and he confronts them and he begins to burn out all their circuits with an intellectual argument and a scriptural argument that they just can't comprehend at all Notice what he says here. Verse 32. I showed you many good works from the Father. And they can't deny that. I mean, they've seen the healings. They know that that Jesus is not some magician. For which of them, which of these good works are you stoning me? Wait a minute. You're about to be stoned to death. And you stand there and just talk to these people. Okay, let me, let me blow a, uh, a spoiler here. Back to John chapter 8 verse 20. Jesus knows fully well his time has not come. They can't do a thing to him. So he is cool as a cucumber at this point And utterly unruffled. He says, For what good work are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man... Make yourself God. And they can't handle that. It's true. He is God. But remember, these are monotheists. God to them is like Allah is to the Muslim, He's transcendent, He's out there. He's utterly holy. He's unlike us. He fills his universe. He is the creator. He he does not have flesh and blood. And yet here's this man of flesh and blood. Saying that I and the father are one. And all they can hear is. I and the father are the same. He didn't say that. He didn't say. That I am the father. He didn't say. We're just merely agreeing in our goals and in our purposes. No, he didn't say, I am the Father. He said, we're one. And they can't compute that. How can you be one with Yahweh? It just doesn't work. And so you have to be blaspheming. We have a hard enough time trying to try and put our heads around it. And we've got John. And we've got Paul. And we've got Hebrews and Romans. And I mean, we've got Colossians. We've got all of this to help us. They don't have any of that. All they're hearing is this man who they hate, who they accuse of being demonized, who they lie about. Who they see now as a blasphemer saying that he is Yahweh. He is Yahweh. But not in the way that they think. And so he just burns out all their circuits. And notice how he brings them back down to earth though. Calms them down. Verse 34. Jesus answered them. Has it not been written in your law? Okay, now he's bringing the Bible in. I said you are God's. Now, these are Pharisees. They're extremely familiar with Psalm. They recognize Psalm 82. Psalm 82 is God is speaking to the judges of Israel. I push you in this, this position of authority. You represent me. You stand in my name. You have the power of life and death over my people. And therefore, you are gods to my people. He didn't say you are God. He said you're gods. Little G. Elohim. Mighty ones. Great ones. So, doesn't your Bible, in your Bible, doesn't this God whom you say is your God... Didn't he say to the judges in Israel in the ancient days that they were gods? And so now they're swallowing their tongue. Uh, Yeah. Well then, if he said that they were gods, to whom the word of God came, that's the judges. And the scripture can't be broken. (laughs) He's got them now. He's got them. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? He goes from the lesser to the greater. Yeah. From the lesser. God set apart these judges when they were adults. They were already in the world. He set them apart to be his judges. He set them apart To judge his people. He set them apart to be as gods to them. But he set me apart before the foundation of the world. He set me apart before anything was created. He set me apart and then he sent me from heaven into the world. But if he called these sinful judges whom he's condemning by the way in Psalm 82 if he called them gods why are you so upset if I say I'm the son of God and all they can do is sputter because he's got them and they they can't answer him but I want you to notice one last thing in verses 37 and 38 Please notice this. Jesus' evangelistic outreach to these men who want to kill him. If I do not do the works of my father, in other words, if I don't have anything to validate my claim that I'm the son of God, that I am one with the father, if I don't have anything to validate that, then don't believe me. But if I do them, and you know what I'm doing, You've seen what I've done. You've seen the power that I have in the name of him whom you call your God. Though you do not believe me, believe the works. And here's get this. So that you may know and continue knowing that the Father is in me and I in the Father. What does that mean? So that you'll know. So that you'll believe, and you'll keep on knowing, and keep on believing, that we indwell each other. So whenever I say, I and the Father are one, your God is in me, and I am in Him. We are one. And knowing that, you believe in that who I say I am, I am. And believing in me, you'll be saved. You see, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's not just about the Father. That's about the Lord Jesus Christ as well. He wants these men who hate him to repent and to come to eternal life in him, knowing him that's the same thing that we have to say to everyone else who asks us about why are you the way you are and what's the gospel and all of this the heart of the gospel is simply this the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father are one Jesus is Yahweh the Son he is as much Yahweh as the Father is Yahweh and As John chapter 5 verse 23 says, that it's the Father's good pleasure that men honor the Son in exactly the same way that they honor the Father. It's the Father's good pleasure that men worship His Son in exactly the same way they worship the Father. If anyone's going to be saved, if anyone's going to be saved from their sins... They have to recognize Jesus. They have to know Jesus for who he is. God incarnate. And the heart of our gospel is that our God came to earth and died for us. Not the Father. Otherwise the universe would cease to exist when Jesus died on the cross. But the Son died for sinners. He died for us that we might be reconciled to the Father. And if they're going to be sinned, if they're going to be saved from their sins, they have to believe that. They have to believe that. We believe that. And therefore, we trust Him. We follow Him. And when we get stupid, when we get a big mouth full of stupid, and a big belly full of stupid, and we start wandering off And we decide that we deserve a holiday from holiness, and we start to wander off, he comes and gets us. Because our God bought us for himself. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Stand with me, please. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. We are dismissed.